during the Sunday school hour from the communities all the way through the children's Sunday school. There was just some dedicated time of prayer as uh, this week in Reach to Embrace there's a real emphasis on the fact that uh, it's all about prayer. And so with that in mind, please turn in your New Testaments to 1 John chapter 5 verses 13 through 15. 1 John 5, 13 through 15. Now let's pray. Lord, would you open our hearts to what your heart is like and what you want to do in and through us. And may you be served and glorified and may we rejoice. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 John 5, 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence we have toward Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. When it comes to prayer, how do you know? How do you know what God would actually want to answer? It's an important question for our own prayer lives. What is God's heart like? What does God want to do? And how that meets our petitions in prayer. We know that there's thanksgiving and praise and confession and all these dimensions of prayer. But especially, wouldn't you think, uh, as, as we are launching out into a faith-oriented, stretching time of ministry and expansion of the kingdom here at Highlands, don't we want to know that that's what God wants to do? How do you know? Well, our text says, when it comes to prayer, if you know, then you'll know. Now, obviously, there's a lot to fill in right there. That almost sounded like a riddle, didn't it? But there's, the word know is used several times in 1 John 5, 13 through 15. Now, we read about believers of other eras and, and people that were on the mission field and these great and mighty prayer warriors that kind of reported in their journals and in the books that were published that Man, they just saw great and mighty, world-shaking answers to prayer almost every day in their prayer life. And sometimes we'll read that and we'll think, oh, wow, and then there's me. You know, sometimes we, we might feel like we're second-class Christians almost uh, if, if, we're, if we're too concerned about us and, and what we're like when we're reading those biographies, missionary biographies. You think about Hudson Taylor and William Carey and... And all these folks and, and those types of writing are, are filled with stories of men and women who were mighty in prayer, who had a prayer life that demonstrated these, these regular, incredible answers to prayer. And the conclusion drawn from those missions biographies and other books is that you too can be mighty in prayer. That's true. That's actually true. I think what we need to decide here and discern from the Scriptures is what mighty in prayer looks like from, from God's vantage point, 
rather than our vantage point. When you know, then you know what He wants to answer. The first when you know comes with uh, verse 13. Basically, John says that the entire book of 1 John comes down to this. So you'll know. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you might know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have toward Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. If you believe in the name of the Son of God, you can know. Now, I was raised in a different stream of Presbyterianism, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I really did not either hear or get the gospel, the good news of why Jesus came into the world, that He actually suffered on the cross in my place, took the, the just penalty that I deserved for me, and that when I put my trust in Jesus rather than my own works, my own trying to be religious, my own trying to impress God, that what happens is, is based on His work, I become accepted. I remember hearing that and was blown away when I got it, that that's how much God so loved the world. I'd always heard that, I just never quite got what it actually meant. But you know the other thing that amazed me is I didn't know that you could know for certain. I didn't know it could be a settled issue. And that because of the work of another person, God the second person who has finished everything on my behalf and even said it is finished, I can rest in a salvation that will never go away and a love that will never diminish. I can rest in a relationship with God while at the same time relentlessly pursuing a walk with God. This is the confidence we have in approaching Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He will hear us. Um, the idea is if you know that you know God through Jesus, you can know that He's listening. Kind of ground zero for a prayer life is to put your trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation and to be able to be His child. And God has always open ears for His children. I, I love the way... William Hendrickson puts it, says, because we have eternal life, we have the confidence, that is the freedom to approach God in prayer anywhere, anytime. It's pretty amazing if you think about it. This is the seat of power, the seat of glory, the control room of the cosmos, and we have access to that throne, which is a throne of grace to us with our Father 24-7. It reminds us of Hebrews 4-16, very famous verse about this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Did you know that? That if you know that you know Him, you know He's always listening. That 24-7, why do we carry around all this stuff? Why do we do that? Why is it that some of us know Jesus, but we, we're not resting in the gospel? And then we're carrying around all this stuff and we're, not, we're just not taking it when the throne of grace for, where you can receive mercy and grace from a, a Father who loves you is, is available at all times. So if you know you're His child, John says, you know that He is listening. So if you know, secondly, then you will know what prayers He wants to answer. Now we're kind of getting down 
to this aspect of petition? Wouldn't it be great to have confidence, not only in our acceptance before God, but the very things that we are praying? Verse 15, And we know, all this knowing, and we know that He hears us, if we know that He hears us, in whatever we ask. Listen to this. We know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. That's something amazing to know. We know that we have it. Now, this is about believing as we ask. It's about this thing called faith. Prayer is just an interesting hold. The whole aspect of prayer, what it is, how it works, so to speak, who we are in it, uh, is just the most interesting thing. The, the fact that, that God has factored by His sovereign plan for our faith to actually have a part in how prayer moves only because God has made it so. This is an amazing thing. And, 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 and that it comes down to, in this passage, and so many others to, you ready for this, specific requests of God? Like God who's sitting on the control room of the cosmos actually hears and is open to and wants to answer specific prayer requests by Joseph Wheat, some little guy in Ridgeland, Mississippi, in the whole world, or, or you. And yes, and that moves mountains. Yes. You know, the fact is that God is the absolute monarch of the universe. God is completely sovereign over all things, and God has a plan for all things down to the molecules. Yes. You, be careful if you say no because you're not God. <laughs> yes, that is what we Presbyterians enjoy focusing on, that He is the absolute monarch of the universe down to the molecules. And don't you know that if God chose, He could just do His own will without our prayers. He could do His own holy will and get His own will done without specific requests from us but no that's not the way this god who is sovereign and glorious and all-powerful has made it to work we are commanded in many places and led very strongly in this particular scripture to discern the will of god and pray it down by faith isn't that an amazing thing that God is sovereign, period, and we have not because we ask not? How do you put that together? Only God puts it together. What an, what an elevation of the human who knows God through Jesus Christ that we, because of God, have a kind of delegated permission to be a part of how all of this works. I mean, you think about this, this, this is incredible. Because God has made prayer to be a means of moving Him to action. And when He moves, things move. <laughs> God has planned the end. But He has also planned 
the means to attain that end. When you stop and think about it, this is incredible. We have this delegated encouragement from God, authority to affect things in this world through prayer. That's the meaning of, if you turn there, Mark eleven twenty two through 24. I'd like for you to turn there because it's going to be the kind of the other verse we keep looking at going forward in this message. Mark eleven twenty two through 24. And Jesus answered, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be rooted up, be taken up, and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. It's an amazing statement. Verse 24. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Andrew Murray put it this way. He says, we can't move mountains. But somehow, we move God through prayer and God moves mountains. And only because God has included us into this incredible thing and that faith matters and that it's specific. Remember, in the Lord's Prayer, it is, thy will be done. But it's also give me this day my daily bread. Forgive me of my trespasses right now as I have trespassed. Lead me not into temptation now. So even in the Lord's Prayer, we get this kind of overarching sense of the sovereignty of God. Your will be done. And we get the specifics underneath that as well. Hebrews 11.6 Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And whoever would draw near to God, must believe that He exists and is the diligent rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Believe that He exists, this is relational, and come to your Father and believe that He will reward you. Why do we pray if we don't believe? Now, I understand that there are spectrums of belief. Sometimes we say, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. You know, the the point isn't that there's some kind of eight-cylinder belief, that like you're some jet on a tarmac, that has to woo, you know, get to a certain level before God will listen to you. No, you go to your Father because you know that you have eternal life. You go to your Father because the throne is always open to you. He always listens to you. And you believe as you pray. E.M. Bound says of faith, it is the one great condition of prayer, faith is. The lack of it lies at the root of all poor praying feeble praying, little praying, and unanswered praying. In 1991, when Gina and I moved from Augusta, Georgia, to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, we learned a lot about prayer. And the reason was, is that God was calling us to go and plant a new church with nine people, including the children, and no money. So that immediately kind of kicked into a lot of prayer like, Lord, we we kind of need a salary or we won't be here two months from now. So we're being very specific about that. Lord, we need some people. We we need a place. 
We need folks to, to help with the children. I mean, you know, you just think about all the things that have to come into being. I can't tell you how specific we were about praying uh, when we got there and, and continue to pray. In fact, I kept a journal. You'd be, you'd be amazed to see how God answered incredibly powerfully very specific prayers. God provided people. The financial resources, supplies, it's amazing. Buildings, everything we needed and more. And you know something? I'll, I'll just be honest with you. Deep in my heart, I knew he would. You know why? Because it was praying for the ability to be Faithful to the calling God had given us in the Great Commission. Now we will have the incredible caveat that is in this passage to this, whatever you ask, you're going to get it. Whatever it is, you just believe it, you will have it. That kind of sounds like something you hear on TV preaching, doesn't it? Um, And you do hear a lot of that. No. The caveat is this. It's the other piece of prayer. It is these words. Quote, according to his will. We know that we know him. We know that the throne of grace is open. We know he listens to us. We believe and we know he answers prayer. Whatever we ask, Jesus said, according to his will. You see that in verse 14 of our text? And this is the confidence we have toward Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Now, so it's not the ability for us to receive just any old thing our heart might want. Remember Joan Baez, uh, if if you're too young, you don't. Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all drive Porsches and I must make amends. But that's not the way it works. Prayer is not heavenly plastic credit card to be able to simply get in the the, the realm of of tangibleness anything our hearts might want. Why? Because what our hearts want a lot of times are not congruent with what the heart of God wants, right? God says no a lot in prayer. He says wait a lot in prayer and He says yes a lot. In prayer, and I know you turn on the television, and man, the, the the preachers are saying, you know, whatever it is, if you just have enough faith, you will get it. And you don't have enough faith, you send us money, we'll send you a cloth to hold on to, a prayer cloth. Then you'll have enough faith, and it all hinges on you. And and if you don't get it, it was your fault. I like this teaching on prayer. That's more about God and His sovereignty, and Him inviting us in according to what's on His heart. And the power of God flowing through His will. But the question is, how can we know that God wants to answer our prayer? Two things I'd like to suggest. The first thing has to do with a relationship. As we get closer to God, we just know His heart better. As we know His heart better and in a relationship of of talking with Him, walking with Him, all of the above, 
we begin to understand what is important to him. You know, I'll never forget one of the first times I kind of observed myself praying as a new believer. You know, I went from turbo pagan to turbo believer real quickly in college. And I know what was on my mind like a month and a half before this kind of outside of myself, like, did I just say that? I didn't care about really anybody or anything, and I certainly didn't care about the world, and I didn't care about starving people, and all. didn't care, didn't care about the kingdom of God. And one day I was praying with these believers, you know, I kind of had these new Christian friends, and I knew that I knew, and I, I was just praying in my heart for all these people. And I thought to myself, after about ten minutes, I thought, what in the world is going on with me? Where did all this come from? Answer, from knowing God getting to know his heart. And suddenly what I wanted had very little to do with what I used to want. And I was praying. You know, when Gina and I first got married, I didn't really know what she liked. Bless her heart. She had to reparent me in a lot of areas, I will tell you that. And, and if you're a fellow suffering wife, uh, she see her after the service. Um, I made this mistake of thinking maybe what she liked was what I liked. Guys, that is not the way it works. So how did I come to understand more in, in any realm what she likes? The answer, a relationship. Being with her. Talking. Knowing her heart. It, it is the same way with God. As we know Him, as we begin to know His heart, our prayers are going to change. But even more importantly, and now we come out of that subjective realm where Presbyterians like to put it, that is that we need to become more familiar with the Word of God. And here's the reason. God has told us what He wants to do. God tells us in the Word what His heart is like. God tells us what He's committed to. God has commanded us. God has challenged us. R.A. Torrey calls the knowledge of Scripture, quote, the great warrant for intelligent faith. And it is through the Word that we gain assurance that our motivations for God's glory in prayer really are for His glory and not our own, because this is what God wants. Praying according to the will of God is, is really exciting. You know, if I could take you back to Tuscaloosa for a moment, I told you that deep in my heart I knew, I kind of knew that God was going to answer those prayers, and He did. You know why? Because I knew that God wanted to further the Great Commission, and I knew He wanted to do it. Christopher, you were there, man. <laughs> I just saw somebody who was in our church uh, right there. Um, awesome. Good to see you. He's going... I was there, it happened, he's telling the truth. I'm not embellishing this, right? No, thank you. Um, <laughs> no, but, but this is the Great Commission. And how does God do the Great Commission? Through local churches. Through real groups of people who have real spiritual gifts that really share, that really are a redeemed community, that really help one another, that really reach out, really proclaim and live out the gospel and make an impact on the city and really do bring people home to live with them in the grace and peace of Jesus Christ. And it makes a world of difference. And you know, when you start praying for things like 
to love my neighbor as myself? God's into that. He'll answer that. To love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? He will answer that. To lay down my life for my spouse as Christ has laid down His wife? He will answer that. Why? Because these are commands. To make disciples of all the nations, starting in Jerusalem, right here in Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It's not mysterious what God wants to do. You start praying that the Great Commission will be fulfilled through highlands and that God will impact people here with the end result of His glory. Watch out. You know, last week when we kind of started the whole Reach to Embrace campaign, I just said this. I'll give you the exact sentence. Welcome to Reach to Embrace, which has to do with God giving us a continuing ability to pursue the calling He has given us as a church. To pursue the Great Commission as a church. When you begin to pray specifically along the lines of what God wants to do. Now, God sort out sometimes what that looks like. Finally, you know, we're not in charge of of all that. But you just better watch out. Because see, there's a real sense that prayer is not just asking God for what we want, but asking God for what He wants. And prayer really comes down not just to asking, but literally to submitting our will to His. Saying, that's what you want, that's what I want. Would you do that right here in Ridgeland? Would you do that? And I am willing to be a part of that. In verse 15, John is very clear about how we can know what God wants to answer. He says, we know that we have what we have asked of Him. Notice it's not future tense. You see, if, you, if we were writing this about prayer, just kind of writing it, it would be, and we know that we will have what we've asked. John doesn't say that. John says, if it's according to his will, by faith, because you have access and he listens to his children, we know that we have what we've asked. That it is good to go now. Because God has literally kind of been waiting for that prayer to be asked specifically for His church to go forward specifically. Especially when the thing asked for is an expansion of the ministry of the gospel to people and for people, more people, to come to Christ and grow up in Him and be in a redeemed community. God is all about that. Now, I do think we need to take just one moment and talk about the will of God. There's a lot of confusion about the will of God because the Scriptures talks about two dimensions of God's will. The first is the most obvious, and that is kind of the precepts of God or the the preceptive will of God, the command of God. You know, the Ten Commandments. Don't steal is the will of God for you. Don't kill is the will of God for you. You can't say, well, I'm just not sure. Maybe for me to kill everybody in my neighborhood is the will of God. Who knows what the will of God is? Well, let me tell you, in the precepts of God, it is God's will for you to not kill, but to bless. It is God's will for you to be a part of the Great Commission going forward, loving the Lord your God, loving your neighbor as yourself. And, and we know God will answer prayers like that. God has said, this is what I want you to do. We say, Lord, this is what you want us to do. We want to do it. Would you help us do it? Yes. That's what we can know. 
that preceptive will of God and to walk into that. But there's another kind of will of God. And we Presbyterians talk about this a lot. This is kind of the big picture behind the scenes, all the cogs and gears of God who is sovereign down to the molecules, the ultimate multitasker, as well as the power uh, who sits on the throne, that all things that are happening, good, bad, ugly, they're all working together. They're all a part for the good of those, all a part of God's will. You understand what I'm saying? That's the what will will be, and God can even use bad things and all this stuff. That's the decreed will of God. That's that big overarching kind of will of God. And that's very comforting because when really ugly, hard things happen, we say, that's fine, God's in control. Right? That's what we mean. But there's a difference between these two. You know, um, one of the things that we're, we're, we have a lot going on, we've got a lot of folks that are going to have a baby. We, we've had a lot of folks that have been finding out, and we can find out now through technology, the, whether our child is a boy or a girl, right? And I was thinking about that the other day, and, and you know, um, it wasn't God's will for me to have sons. That's the big picture, right? We have daughters. And you can pray till you're blue in the face, God, I'm asking for a daughter. Or a son. Let me tell you something. You can't know that. Unless God mysteriously, you know, reveals it extraordinarily to you. You can't know that. You're not going to know it till that scan shows it or till that baby comes into the world. But if you pray to fulfill the Great Commission, and for a continuing ability to be faithful to the calling that God Himself, through His heart, wants us to have, you can know it, you see. You can know it. And that is what we believe about reach to embrace. Um, we're, we're, we've, we put it this way, that this whole thing about expanding facilities is just so highlands can keep being highlands. And we're just kind of done without the a, a continuing ability. These artificial barriers that have nothing to do with relationships, nothing to do with the redeemed community, nothing to do with our faithfulness. These need to be blown right through in prayer and in the real world. Think of it this way. I'll use an example from missions. Think about a missionary who lives in a jungle. I mean, a sure enough jungle. You got it? And we get a prayer request from that missionary. And the prayer request is really interesting. The missionary says, pray for our family, pray for our children, pray for leaders in the church, pray that we can reach out. All the things you would want, you know, you'd want a missionary to say and all they say because they're praying the Great Commission. And we get it because they're on the mission field. We are too. But this is what they say. They say, pray for a Jeep. We're like a Jeep. Or maybe a horse. But, you know, I think we get that, don't we? Why does a missionary want a Jeep? Because there aren't many missionaries in this area. And there are so many more people that he can get to beyond his ability to walk, to reach out in the name of Jesus, to disciple people, to start churches in different areas. 
just by having a Jeep. Jeeps actually exist in this world. And Jeeps help you burst through an unnecessary barrier of not being able to access more people for the Great Commission. Do you understand that? Of course we would pray for a Jeep. That's all we're saying. That's all we're saying, folks. This is exciting. We're praying for this artificial barrier to not have space for more people in nursery, in children's Sunday school, in adult Sunday school, to, in worship, to not have space. I mean, even if we started today, it's two years before we get there. To not have space, that is an awful thing. To get in the way of something God has been doing for 19 years. This gets exciting. This is about something God wants to answer. It's a tool for ministry. And I promise you this. We are not asking God for this for anybody's glory but His. It was 15 years ago, last time we did this. I would love for like the new the, this church building to just come down from God out of heaven right now. I don't, really don't want to do this every year. But I'm willing, or you, to do whatever God calls us to and you know what? Let's go, church. Because we don't want to change our vision statement to a redeemed community no longer reaching out at the intersections of life and culture. Now, this is an opportunity for us to give away our lives in service to God in His church moving forward into the future. This is our opportunity to not only reach out with the Word, of the gospel, but to bring people home with us and say, come and see for yourself. Come and live with us as messy as we are and see the grace of God in action. There simply is no more room in this two-year period to bring people back home to Highlands. Dear flock, I believe in prayer. I believe that prayer precedes the working of God. Believe with us. Pray. When you know Him, you know that He hears you 24-7. And you know that when it's according to His will and what He has commanded and what He has said, you know that you have what you have asked. But we must pray. Reach to embrace. It's all about prayer. Let's pray. Lord, what an exciting thing to know and to step into that territory that you want to enlarge for your glory for the sake of people coming to know You and growing up in You, for marriages that are being healed, for children that will be in a covenant family and in a covenant-oriented church filled with Your love, filled with humility and repentance and celebration of Your grace and all that You will, you will do. Lord, we pray that You would open our hearts to be much in prayer about the barrier that you will break through and the ministry that will happen 
because of your mighty power that is being unleashed by prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.